Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today my guest is Rhett Jones. Rhett is a high school senior and a mountain biker living in the Austin, Texas area. He's the founder of Station Bike Park, a new private park that he developed on 150 acres of former ranch land northwest of town. Thanks for joining me, Rhett. Yes, hello. Glad I'm here. Yeah, yeah, you're coming to us from the ranch, and it sounds like you're spending a lot of time out there currently living on the ranch, is that right? Yeah, I live here like three or four days a week and live back in Austin three or four days a week. Okay, cool. So how long have you been riding mountain bikes? I've been riding only for three and a half years, kind of when COVID started, mm-hmm. but like June, 20, June 2020, I went to Angel Fire, my first proper park. Loved it and have been riding like six days a week since then. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when you went to Angel Fire, was that just like a a vacation? You're like, hey, I'm going to try mountain biking or had you ridden before? Yeah, it was just a normal family trip. So I decided to try mountain biking because I was watching YouTube videos on it and stuff. (laughs) And then so fun. So I got back home, quit all my other sports and like only rode mountain bikes and I rode all, all the time. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like you got obsessed. Where were you riding like when you first started out? Are there a lot of trails in Austin? Yeah, there's still a lot of trails in Austin. So I was just riding all the local trails, you know, made it out to other parks when I could as well. Hmm, Cool. So then uh, fast forward a couple years, 2022, I heard that you worked to get like a free public bike park built. How did that get started? What was the idea behind that? So I actually got the motivation from that from my school. I go to a school called Alpha, and every kid there does a masterpiece, which is a really ambitious project you do over your four years of high school, right? Okay. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go make a bike park. And at that time, my idea for a masterpiece was, you know, making a smaller local park, Mm -hmm. which ended up being like one or two trails and a pump track on two acres of land and mm-hmm. a small land and money grant from the city. Okay. And I had a lot of awesome people helping me out with that project as like a stepping stone as a resume project for Station Mountain. Okay. Because I wanted to make a proper shuttle service park seeing serious numbers, I knew to raise the investment for that, I needed to already make a park. So I actually had some mm. legitimacy to my young age. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, was that hard to do? Like, was it hard to get approvals and get people organized and everything to build that smaller park? Yeah. So I ended up making a pitch deck and I went to the city with it. And there are some other dads in the Lakeway area that were super mm-hmm. supportive of the idea of the park and of me mm-hmm. that helped me out uh, start to finish on that project. Like three other local dads in the area that also had a similar dream in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why didn't you just stop after that? Like you did your requirement, right? I assume that was enough to get your, like your masterpiece thing done and, and that, but like, why, why do a bigger park? Well, for me, I was like, Oh, I'm done. I did it. Yeah. (laughs) But the school is like super ambitious. I mean, alpha is like wanting every kid to Uh do something that's as hard as being an Olympian, like that's their standard, like do something as, mm. that's as hard as being an Olympian, right? Oh my gosh. So, well, so I got the school's motivation, but then mainly outside of that, I just got a lot of other entrepreneurial motivation from figures in my life. Mm-hmm. 
because I was kind of getting more well and well versed within like the startup and entrepreneurship community. Mm-hmm. And I loved mountain biking and I loved trail building. Yeah. Like I wanted, like we have so many riders in Texas to just have a few parks. I mean, not that the parks are bad or anything. It's just, you go to Utah with like population 1 million and Salt Lake city area is full of trails. And then Texas is like population 30 million and we just have a few parks. Right. So I saw a huge opportunity to make a proper park that we haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. And then with all the motivation, all that compiling, in January of 2023, my junior year is when I decided I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to go raise an investment. I'm going to go make this park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, so from what I know about uh, Texas and sort of the mountain bike scene there, like there aren't as many trails there, like you mentioned, for having such a large population, in part because there isn't a lot of public land in the state. A lot of it's privately owned. It's private land, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, was that like an opportunity or a challenge? Like, like on the one hand, I guess there isn't a lot, you couldn't go to like, you know, your city or county and say, Hey, like I want to build a huge trail. Cause they're like, well, we don't have a lot of land. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, on the other hand though, like you gotta have, you gotta have a private landowner. So was that, was that part of the thinking? Well, the good news about private land is that things can happen really fast. Mm-hmm. The bad news is that it costs a lot of money. <laughs> right. Public land, it may take like five plus years for a project to actually start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, are there are there already a lot of mountain bikers in Austin that you could kind of tap into for, for a project like this? Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of support from the whole entire Texas mountain bike community for this park. Mm-hmm. But that's not really how I went about raising the investment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us about that. How did you raise the money and, and how much did you end up raising? So I literally started by going on LinkedIn and looking up people that had both mountain biker and investor in their profile. <laughs> and I made like a 10 slide Canva deck and I sent it to them. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, here's a 10 slide deck about why this is going to be a profitable bike park. And the idea, if you, will, if you mm-hmm. want it best, let me know. I did that with like 450 people on LinkedIn, got five responses and two yeses. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And then I went on to local mountain biking Facebook groups and I was like, Hey, if anyone here is a startup investor, like, let me know. I got an opportunity for you. <laughs> yeah. Did many people take you up on that offer? I mean, yeah, there's like two people that did because it got so many views and shares mm-hmm. and like people who knew a startup investor friend would send it to them. So I did like this random series of online social media networking for about six months mm-hmm. until I closed around 20 investors at 358k. Oh, wow. And like 85% of that was also from people that I didn't know previously, like not family friends. It was just from hmm. people that were both mountain bikers and investors. Yeah. Wow. And so I assume each of those investors got like a stake in the business. Yes. How so much was- were you able to hold on to for yourself? So it was uh, for equity investing. So the equity investors for the park have 358K at 20%. Mm-hmm. The land investor, like the guy who has the land, has 40% of the company, and then I have the other 40%. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So basically, like they, the way that it works is they get a percentage of the profits through the dividends, the people who invested in the bike park. So, like, they expect to get their money back in a few years. Yeah. 
Yeah, I want to ask you about that for sure, the dividends and profits. But I'm curious too, were you able to stay on budget like to get the park open? Were there any surprises uh, that you ran into like trying to get it get it ready for business? Yeah, some things were way more expensive than I anticipated, but there were also some things cheaper than I anticipated, so it ended up working out. Hmm. I cut it pretty close though. I went from like 358k <laughs> to 10k. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <I know>. yeah. <laughs> So like there were just random things I had to pay for throughout the build, such as buying electricity for the house. I was like, oh, there goes 10K or Mm -hmm. that machine broke. Oh, there goes 5K. Like just things I wasn't expecting. And the big money saver. Where did most of the money go? I mean, out of 380, like what's the most expensive part of it? Just like paying the builders was the most expensive part Mm. and also renting the machines and also making the shuttle trucks. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I assume you bought vehicles and then had to modify them. Yes. We bought tractors. So we have tractor service, (laughs) service shuttles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes makes sense. And it kind of lends to the ranch vibe that I I assume you got going. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely do have a ranch vibe out here. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so yeah, I mean, my, one of my big questions is always like, are bike parks good businesses? Like is, is is this a business that you were able to like confidently pitch to people and say like, yeah, you're going to make your money back or you're going to make a a big profit on this. Like, are they generally good businesses? It depends. You really need the right location and circumstances. It's working in Texas. Mm -hmm. Because we have so many riders and not that many parks. But I bet you in a place that's kind of saturated with parks with not that many riders, Mm -hmm. take, I don't know, the Southeast, for example, they have so many parks already. Like it's already saturated. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it would work as well there building a new park, right? Yeah, yeah. It's working in Texas with the park to people ratio we have. Right. Yeah. I mean, I assume a big part of it too is like the land cost. And it sounds like you didn't actually have to like buy the land. You you have sort of like a lease arrangement where, yeah, you're paying like a portion of kind of the value of the land. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That is correct. I wish I was owning the land though. <laughs> if anyone's here listening to this aspiring to make a bike park, definitely get more investment and buy the land. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, so not owning the land, how does that limit you? Or are you just worried that like, you know, at some point the landowner is going to say, all right, like I got to kick you out. I want to do something else with it. That's not what I'm worried about because we have a locks lease. It's just paying mortgage is a lot cheaper Mm -hmm. than a land lease. And owning land is a, is a huge asset. And worst case scenario, you can pay back everyone by selling the land. Mm-hmm. When you when you lease the land, like like you have no control over it. It's like leasing versus buying a house. Right. Yeah. And as the the value of the property increases, yeah, obviously you're not able to capture that upside uh, if you're not the owner. And I assume too. I mean, this land it was previously what like ranch land, uh, farmland. Is hunting. that is that kind of what hunting? Oh, hunting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 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 And I guess there are a lot of similarities between that type of land use and mountain biking. It's, it's a recreational thing. Um, and yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Farmland wouldn't work cause it's just not hilly enough for Texas. Right. 
I was trying to find like, ooh, what ranch would, you know, have the elevation in, in the topography. Yeah, yeah. So when you were putting together this this 10 slide pitch deck, were you able to use like other successful bike parks as an example? Like were you able to find out their finances and like how they operate? Was anybody helpful along the way for you? Yeah, uh, I talked to other bike park founders about numbers and stuff on bike parks they made. Like Pete Costain with Legacy Bike Park was a, was a, was a really big help. Hmm. Yeah, and then the guys over at Windrock as well were a big help. Yeah, uh, and then Spider Mountain is just the only other like proper downhill service park in Texas. Mm-hmm. So like they were a really good. Uh, side by side comparison and you know what spider mountain is is doing as well is super super cool yeah yeah so right i was looking at a map and it looks like your bike park is like 20 miles as the crow flies from spider mountain yeah is there like a benefit you think to being close to to a more established bike park i think there is a benefit because when people make the trip from dallas austin san antonio to houston now, like, they can hit two parks during their weekend right. and really want to go out and ride instead of just kind of riding the same park over and over again. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I really think it's a mutually beneficial thing we have going on with Spider right now because we're both at, like, in, we're, we're both at a pretty, like, like a pretty similar level in park status. Mm. Like, there's not really other, like, like, there's not another park in Texas that's running, like, five daily employees and a week by week trail crew and like a lift or a shuttle, right? Like yeah, yeah. there's just no park even close to that size in Texas, even though there's a lot of other really cool trail systems. So like mm-hmm. having two of the, of like the big Texas parks, like the only two right next to each other is definitely mutually beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it makes it a destination. Yeah. And Reveille Peak is a third bike park in the area. It's volunteer built and they have just these really sick jumps pedal only that people will also kind of link up in their, I guess, trio bike park trip for the weekend. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you looked at spider mountain, I mean, was part of your thinking to differentiate yourself from that as well? Like how, how does station bike park compare to spider mountain in terms of the trails and the like difficulty and terrain? Yeah. Station and spider are two completely different parks. Like station is Mm. full of jumps we have a line called 75 hits with 75 jumps from top to bottom in Texas, which oh, wow. is wild. And like, <laughs> you know, at Spider, like they're more focused on the tech. I mean, like they have some sick, like fast tech trails, fast rock trails mm-hmm. and stations more about like a ton of jumps and rollers and longer laps top to bottom. Hmm. Yeah. Like it, like it, like it's not like one is better than the other. It's just kind of two different parks. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. So how do most bike parks and I guess specifically station bike park make money? Is it ticket sales or like equipment rentals, repairs, sales? I mean, it seems like you have a lot of revenue streams, but it are is one like much bigger than the other ones? Yeah. So when I made the projections, I thought that there was going to be money from the ticket sales and then also making money from like, the bike shop, the food truck, selling merch, so on and so on. Mm-hmm. But I was wrong. Like I'd say <laughs> like 97% of our revenue is just from ticket sales. Okay. Wow. Like almost all of it. 
I mean, we'll make some money like selling like drinks or candy or working on people's bikes, but mm-hmm. it's, it is all from ticket sales. Wow. Yeah. And it, I mean, it sounds like the, do you have rental bikes there for people to check out? Yes, we do. Like we even have a rental fleet of like 15 bikes, like a fully operational bike shop and just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yes. I guess bikers want to work on their own bikes and bring their own. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most yeah. people, so most people end up bringing their own bikes. Are they bringing yeah. like, like we've downhill rented. bikes or enduro or, or what kind of bikes? Yeah, well, for here, it's more trail bikes. Like, I'd like, like, like 150 travel is kind of best for station with all the rollers and jumps. Hmm. Okay. Even though it's not really pedally, it's just, you know, a roller and jump based park. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's a, that, that makes sense that that's a pretty accessible bike. A lot of people are going to uh-huh. already own a bike like that. Exactly. And like people who want to go to station are people who've like already tried mountain biking and have their own bikes. Mm-hmm. It's like the most bikes we've ever rented for the day here is like three. <laughs> <laughs> even, wow. even though we have, yeah, like we have 13 bikes. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe that's a new market. I mean, it sounds like you yeah. were kind of introduced to the sport by you know you're on vacation or you know you just decided to try biking downhill biking and yeah i hope so yeah i mean like like so far the marketing has just kind of been word of mouth and the more i don't know what the word is involved mountain bike community that really knows and loves texas mountain biking Mm -hmm. i haven't really ventured out into the other spaces of marketing like you know, the family friendly stuff for the people who, who haven't really biked ever. Right. Yeah. What's so, so how long have you been operational with the bike park? Five weeks, six weeks now. <laughs> yeah. Five weeks. Wow. Yeah. I was going to ask you like, what is the, like the season, I guess, for that? Do you have any, any idea? I mean, is, is like summer too hot? And so you're more of like a shoulder season thing or are you open year round? Yeah. October through May. Is kind of all the same. I mean, I guess the coldest month is the best, like February, but not really much difference. Mm-hmm. But like, I am not looking forward to June through September. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe shut the park down and go on vacation. Go back to Angel Fire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what a lot of Texan riders are going to do. We're still going to be fully open, though. I mean, we're definitely going to make the best out of it through like misted and shaded shuttles. And like a completely shaded bottom. So mm. the only time you're actually having a hot experience is, is on your way down. Like, I think we're going to make it pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds like a plan. Was insurance an issue for you? It seems like this is a pretty novel thing. I mean, anywhere in the country, but especially in Texas. Did you did you have a hard time getting that? And was it expensive? For every park, insurance is always an issue. But I think mm-hmm. we have like the best insurance situation out of any park in the whole world. <laughs> because we are in one of the most unrestricted properties and one of the most unrestricted counties and one of the most unrestricted states. Okay. So insurance is like as cheap as it gets. Oh, wow. Yeah. Does that does that make like waivers a lot easier too, or like? I mean, waivers are even if you have complicated insurance, waivers is not the hard part of it. Like waivers, you kind of just copy another bike park's waiver and change a few words, <laughs> and you're good to go. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. more about uh, like how do you make sure that if your park gets sued, it's not done. Right. Right. Well, so yeah, I mean, it sounds like you know the the amount that you had to spend to get the park up and running was not a small amount. And yet, I wonder, did you look at the, the economics of a fixed lift system? 
It seems like we don't see that at a lot of parks, and I'm sure it's crazy expensive. Do you have any idea how expensive that is? Ooh, wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. Wow. That's crazy. And so, and yeah, what that cost for what is like the vertical that you have at the park? The vertical is only 370 feet. The point, okay. I mean, the reason why that lift would be expensive is because it's about 4,200 feet long. Oh, right. So you need a lot of towers. Yeah, it's just like, like, like pretty metal property. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's funny because like we still have the most vert in Texas. Mm-hmm. Then like Spider's Lift, I have no idea how much that was, but yeah, like their property is only about 1,700 feet long. Mm-hmm. So I see. I, 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 I bet a lift there would be a bit cheaper. Yeah. sounds like it's steeper, but yeah. Yeah. More natural trails. Mm-hmm. So you've been open for four or five weeks now. What's, what's your favorite part of owning a bike park? Oh, when I see people ride and having fun, when I see people ride and smiling, that's like what I'm doing this for. I'm doing this for the Texas mountain bike community. Mm. Like I want riders in Texas to like have fun and get on bikes. So I love to see when they enjoy it. Yeah. Do you get to ride much yourself? Oh, all the time. Like when I'm on, when I'm quote unquote on the clock, I'm just riding with people getting laps all day. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. It's fun. It's super fun. Yeah. What what surprised you though? Like, are there any things that, that you don't like or things you didn't realize that, that you would need to do as a bike park owner? Yeah. Managing employees is hard. Well, right now it's actually kind of nice. We're doing good right now, but back during the build process, mm-hmm. I mean, like, especially managing employees as a high schooler, right? Turning authority, it just sucks. <laughs> yeah. Where, I mean, did you hire some of your friends or, or are these like people who are older than you and, and kind of that age difference makes it tough? People who are older, people that I didn't know previously, just like mm. trail builders from around the nation and then five local guys too. Yeah. yeah. I'd say I was friends only with like one dude on the whole job. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. So what are your, what are your plans for the bike park and, and for yourself in the future? Uh, for the bike park and myself? Yeah. Well, for the bike park, I just want to keep on improving, keep on editing it, and just gradually make it better and better, as good as it can be, because this is truly a four-riders, by-riders park. Mm -hmm. And for myself in the future, I want to make the world's best bike park, like something like the next Whistler. That's what I really, really want to do. And just as... Rough Hollow Bike Park, the old one was a was a was a was a was a was a stepping stone or a resume project for this. Mm-hmm. Icy Station is a resume project for the next bike park as well. But that's later. Mm-hmm. I'm still totally only thinking about Station right now and having fun with Station. But yeah, that is the end goal. Yeah, cool. Do you think you can do it in Texas? No, no way. Like I, this is something <laughs> that needs like a like a, like a ski town base area and 3000 feet of vert and like tens of millions of dollars like it's going to re- require a ski resort as well yeah yeah well it's certainly ambitious and you know i i don't doubt you at all like seeing the your past two successes which came very quickly at such a young age uh yeah you got plenty of time to to make it happen so yeah, wish thanks. you the best of luck
I'm very excited as well. <laughs> well, you can find out more and I assume buy lift tickets online at stationmountain.com. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. That's all we've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week.